morning, my friends. How are you today? All right. Good to see you guys. Even you guys in the back. Wave at me back there. Hey, good to see you. You know, uh, there was a, a great spiritual victory yesterday and a great victory in the natural. Uh, we're, we're doing a media fast right now, so kind of avoiding, you know, social media, which I found actually is really nice. People are like all stressed out. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> it's wonderful. But uh, fasting media, fasting TV, things like that. And so yesterday there was some football games on and there happened to be one of God's holy and righteous teams, the San Francisco 49ers that uh, we're playing. And uh, yeah, I can see there's some real believers in the house today. And, uh, but we went to Red, Red Robin for, uh, for lunch. And so we were there, dinner, whatever, dinner, lunch, dinner. And uh, the 49ers game was on the TV. So I felt like rather than be a Pharisee, I should just watch <laughs> while, we <laughs> while we ate. And, uh, and the sea chickens went down. So praise the Lord. 49ers. How many of you are Seahawks fans? Raise your hands. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to jump in today. We're in a series called Rocket Fuel, and uh, we're talking about building our relationship with God. He is the, the fuel uh, that is for our lives. Our, our, we're meant to function in relationship with God. And today we're going to talk about prayer and specifically about building a prayer life and lay some foundations uh, of what that looks like, what that means to have a life of prayer and to be the type of person that has this open, interactive, dynamic relationship with God. When I uh, wrote the book, Rocket Fuel, that this series is based on, uh, it, it really, I felt like the Lord wanted me to do that based on, uh, hey guys, we have some feedback happening. I don't know if you guys hear that, but I, I hear it. So maybe you guys can dial it in. How many of you are thankful for the tech team? Because, you know, some, some, of, some of us don't know how to run an EQ, but these guys do. So we're excited about that. Anyways, um, when I was uh, writing the book, Rocket Fuel, it came out of this, this moment where I was meeting with this lady and she was joining uh, the church that we were working at at the time. And we, we kind of would do these interviews, these, these, you know, join the church interviews. And so I was sitting down with her. She's this wonderful lady. She had been a Christian for many years, like 20 plus years. And I said something offhandedly about my daily devotions. And she's like, what's that? And I go, well, you know, like meeting with the Lord every day, daily devotions. And I realized this is one of those moments where I'm using insider language, you know, you ever talk to somebody who's an insider on something? And they're like, yeah, you just put the MIA and the TP2 and the 49er and then the 617. Some of you, that's how when we talk about football, you're like, what? First touchdown, the field goals. You know, it, it's insider language, right? You know what I mean? And I realize I'm using insider language and she doesn't, she doesn't know, but she should know this insider language because she's an insider, right? Like a Christian. And so, but I, I wasn't, you know, feeling hot, haughty or prideful about my insider knowledge or something. I was just like, okay, you don't, you don't know about devotions. Well, you know, you know what that is? It's just prayer, reading your Bible. And she's like, well, honestly, I don't have a prayer life. I don't know how to pray. And so as she said that, it really hit me, you know, this is sad, uh, not like in some way, like I'm making fun of her because I wasn't at all. And I, and I don't feel that way about that. It was just sad to me that someone who is a believer, is a Christian, doesn't have uh, this dynamic interactive relationship with God that is their birthright because they've been born again in Christ and now open and free access in communication with God is your birthright as a Christian. And that was the beginning of this book and this, this thing of explaining some of the basic concepts and ideas about devotions and having this re relationship with God. Here's the reality about prayer. And today I'm going to do a lot of kind of like demystifying and sort of bringing it down to at least 
the, uh, the ground floor level for us as believers, that prayer is simply communication with God. Prayer is speaking to God, and prayer is listening to what God speaks to us. And so if you don't know what to say, then just don't say something, just listen, you know, maybe say, God, would you speak to me? That's your prayer. And then listen for what, what he speaks. What I found about prayer is that in, in Christianity, prayer has, has been one of those things where uh, you can get deep with it, and there are deep things to know about prayer, and suppose some higher levels of prayer, perhaps, but it's one of those things that I think has, has been turned into a black box for many Christians. Um, what I mean by that is that that black box is kind of like unknowable. It's like we, we, we think other people have this prayer life that we, we, we would want or maybe we think could exist, but there's something wrong with us or we're not doing it right. And it's mysterious and it's full of this insider language. Have any of you ever felt like this, right? And, and I think that the devil really gets into these type of things. He's really at work because what he wants us to do is to simplify that which is complex and to complexify that which is simple. Okay? Let me give you an example of this. We complexify things that are really simple. Like there are men and there are women. You're like, I thought we were talking about prayer. We're always talking about everything on Sundays, okay? That's not a hard thing to understand, whether scientifically, biologically, morally, Right? Hey, I'm not married to this person. I shouldn't have sex with them. That's an easy one, guys. Some of you are like, I'm out. <laughs> okay. We complexify that which is simple, right? And we simplify that which is complex. And what happens is something like prayer is meant to be uh, simple because it's simply communication with God. It is your birthright as a believer, this interactive, dynamic, intimate, communicative relationship with God. Now, we're going to do a couple of messages later in this series about specifically hearing the voice of God. How many of you want to know how to hear the voice of God? Okay. And it's not something complex. Often it's very simple, the things that stop us from hearing God. Uh, things like uh, you, you're just not quiet enough, like there's too much noise in your life. That's a very basic, simple thing. Okay. But prayer is one of those things that we often complexify. But prayer should be really the lifeblood, really the uh, kind of like the baseline thing that we as Christians enjoy and walk in. Martin Luther said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Now, I don't know about you, other than this week with a cold, I had to think a lot about breathing because I couldn't do it, you know? No, I couldn't do it through my, with my nose and my mouth at the same time. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <sighs> you know, I had to really focus on it. But typically, breathing is not something I spend a whole lot of effort on. Anybody else? Like, it's just happening, right? And <clears throat> what Martin Luther is saying here is that being a Christian and praying should be, like, natural and, and intrinsic to this, this Christian experience, to your relationship with God. One of the things that I want to clear up today is that God isn't out to make it difficult. Uh, it's not trying to make it hard to access Him. This is one of the things that I, I believe and I think other people perhaps struggle with is believing that God is intentionally trying to make himself unknowable, mysterious. You know, the, he's a very dark and inscrutable God. Like he's very hiding in the, the, you know, some sort of cosmic ether and he's very hard to know. And that's, that's actually not true. Um, one of the things that, that makes God hard to know has nothing to do with God wanting to be hard to know or hard to get to. It's that we are sinful uh, people. 
So sin has separated us from God. If you think about the essence of God, what is the essence of God? God is love. We did that whole series. God has a name. He's merciful, compassionate, right? Yahweh, Yahweh, all that kind of stuff. You think about all that God is and all that we are and our desires out of our flesh and our natural life in sin is really counterpoint to, you know, at odds with God. And so almost everything about who we are as people really sort of strives to get as little of God into our life as possible. That's kind of our natural posture. Because we know God, will, he'll like tell us to do things we don't want to do. He's going to like jam us on stuff that we don't want to be jammed on at that time. Do you know what I'm saying? So we want God to be like really, really clear and, res- and like responsive when we ask him for money. But when he's like, stop sleeping with the person you're not married to, we're like, I don't, he's, a, I, he's unknowable. This is a good message. I'm, I mean, I know I'm like hopped up on NyQuil, but I think it's a good message. You know what I mean? Pastor, you're, you're on drugs. I am. NyQuil is the hardest drug I've ever done, my friends. All right. God doesn't make it hard. He wants a relationship with us even more than we do with him. This is something that I think is dynamic and it changes your perspective really at a deep level of, of knowing God is that God wants to know you more than you would want to know him. God wants to have a relationship with you even more than any desire that you would have to have a desire with him, it's not so much about our devotion to God, it's about God's devotion to us. And the way that you can know this is by looking at the cross. The very fact that, that God sent his son to planet earth to suffer, be that suffering servant, to, to be tempted and tried and tested in all ways yet without sin, and then to give his life as a sacrifice and as a ransom for many, this is what the Bible talks about. When you look at the cross, when you consider the cross, what we see is God's reaching down to us and, and, and for us And so God is not trying to make it hard to access him. He wants a relationship. And prayer is this connection point, this telephone line between you and God, this communication. It's a powerful yet often unused weapon in the Christian's arsenal. I think oftentimes we make prayer our last resort when it should be our first response. Do you know what I mean? Like when you... um, have trouble in your life or something come up, what is often our first response is like, let me call the doctor. Let me talk to my, uh, my parents. Let me talk to my friend that I get advice from. Let me talk to my therapist. Let me Google it, right? What if we, uh, what if we talked to God about things before we looked for the wisdom of this world? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong with Google. I love Google. I Google stuff all the time. But think about this. Prayer, if it is what we believe it is, which is you're speaking to God, he's speaking to you, and you have this connection with him, why wouldn't we use that access? Why wouldn't we use that powerful thing, this access to the creator of heaven and earth? I mean, whenever I'm watching duck football in the fall, you know, and how many of you guys think you, you know the play they should have called? Right? Do you know what I mean? Like you're watching the game and you're like, why we do that? You know, imagine if you had unfettered access to coach landing, like you had that little red phone, you know, boom, pick it up. Hey, 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 we need to be running the triple option right here. Come on. You know what I mean? Don't run the ball up the middle three times in a row in the red zone. Like, let's do something tricky here, you know? Or, hey, let's not get cute, right? And I don't know about you, but I coach from the couch. Anybody else, right? Watch football, you're yelling at it. Well, imagine having that access to be able to influence the game or influence something that mattered to you and yet not using it. Imagine you had this free and unfettered access to talk to the president or this free and unfettered access to talk to the mayor of the city and they were going to listen to what you said and they were going to do what you said and they were going to they were going to bend, you know, you, you could bend their ear and, and you could begin to interact with them about how things went. We, we like that kind of access in life. 
And yet when God offers us that kind of access, that ability to communicate, to, to, to listen, respond, and also speak and ask God to do things and move in response to prayer, we often just sort of neglect it. Why do we neglect to pray? Let me give you four reasons today, and then I'll give you some practical things and, and some, some steps for building a prayer life on the right foundation. Why do we neglect to pray? Number one, this is an objection that I hear. This is something that comes up that we don't know how. That prayer is this, again, black box. It's like, well, I would pray, but I don't really know how, okay? The second reason that we neglect to pray is we don't think we have time. This list might not be exhaustive or comprehensive, but I think these are things that come up. Number three, we don't think it's that important. It's kind of like a throw-in thing, like, you know, well, God already knows everything, so what am I really, you know, what does it really uh, do? It's not that big of a deal. And then four, we don't really believe it makes a difference. In other words, we don't think... God moves and, and is responsive and dynamic in response to prayer. Um, this is something that I was convicted of recently because I realized that I had kind of shifted internally, uh, not in my mind, but in sort of my practices, that I didn't really think God was going to do something in response to my prayers. Does that make sense? So theologically, I hadn't changed. It wasn't like I read a book and you know, went into the scripture and opened up the Bible and then was like, now I've decided to believe that God doesn't answer prayer. It was just like internally, I stopped sort of believing that. Though my head had one idea, my heart had a different idea. And the Lord kind of made me aware of that. I was reading something or watching something and I realized, man, I've stopped praying, believing that God actually responds to my prayers. That doesn't mean he does what you want, all the time. Sometimes he responds to your prayer with this word that we don't like to hear, which is no, right? But that doesn't mean he's not responsive. But the fact that he says no doesn't mean he doesn't also say yes. The grammar police are going crazy here with all these negatives, you know, but God also sometimes decides to move through and often moves through our prayers and what he does. So let's talk about these objections. Why do we neglect to pray? First, we don't know how. Well, again, let's simplify this. Prayer is not for experts. I want to get this idea out of our head that somebody else has sort of a secret sauce prayer life that, that is unavailable to you because they are at some level of expertise. Um, no, God is not holding you back and nobody has like a, a, a clearer path to God other than that they may have cultivated the environment of prayer in their life that allows them to have a richer and more dynamic prayer life in the same way that there are people in this room that have a better marriage than you do and maybe other people that have a worse one, right? But it's not because they're like genetically different. It's because they've invested in different things or, or poured their life into different things, right? Like some people buy stocks and they invest in stocks that go up and other people buy stocks that go down. But the opportunity, yeah, people, are, that's me, you know, but you had the same opportunity uh, that was there. So prayer is not for experts. It's communication with God, speaking and listening, and we're designed for it. We're designed for relationship with him. We already have the ability to speak and to listen. And what Jesus said about prayer that I think will be a, a big takeaway today is that persistence is more important than expertise. You could say it this way, persistence is more important than technique, okay? Just staying in the game. Listen to what Jesus said. This is in Luke chapter 11. Then, teaching them more about prayer, this is after Jesus has talked about the Lord's Prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. 
You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your best words, shameless persistence. Guys, if you don't get anything else out of today, let's walk away and say, you know how I'm going to operate with God? I'm going to be shamelessly persistent. How many of you say, I might not be an expert, but I can be an o- annoying? <laughs> right? I might not be the smartest. I might not be the sharpest tool in the shed, the nicest smelling cookie in the batch, right? The biggest fry in the Happy Meal. Like, I might not be the bee's knees or the cat's pajamas, but I can irritate other people by continuing to, to, to do what I do, right? Whenever uh, in life, when you, you, know, you get comfortable with your own personality, you realize that you're not everybody's cup of tea. You know what I mean? There's, there's certain people, I know you're going to have a hard time believing this, but it's true, that don't like me. It's true. And you know what? You have to just be like, that's okay, right? But I'm just going to keep doing, doing what I do. Jesus says, this is how you pray, okay? It's not about the prayer posture, or if you interlock your fingers, or if you learn a particular prayer, you know, like tune in your radar, or tune in your spiritual antenna, this is how you pray. He says, just keep being shamelessly persistent. In verse 9, so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This is one of those passages in the, in the Bible that is like blatantly obvious and yet left untested and untried by me and by many, many other people. Because the nature of things is that we, we don't necessarily, other than some people, but most of us don't like to be a pest. Most of us would feel out of human propriety that I should, I've already asked. I, I've, I've already asked God for the change in this area. I've already asked for this and, you know, I didn't hear an answer, or maybe I felt like he said no, or whatever. And yes, there is a moment when God speaks clearly and you, you stop, but Jesus is actually giving us a pretty important point here, that probably what stops our prayer life is not that we don't know what to do, it's that we just don't do what we know what we should do, which is keep doing it. You with me? Like, God, I'm asking you to heal my mother, or I'm asking you to heal my son from this ailment that they have, okay? Are they healed? No. Well, let's go back and ask again. And just continuing to persist, there's something deep here that in the spiritual realm, you realize there's a battle. Like we talked about this a few months ago during that God Has a Name series, that there is actually opposition. When you read the scripture, you look in the book of Daniel, and Daniel's praying, and he's praying, and he's praying, and he's praying, and he's praying for God to move. And, and then all of a sudden, he has a vision, and all of a sudden, there's the angel uh, I forget what angel it was. Was it Gabriel or somebody that shows up? This is an archangel that shows up to speak to Daniel. And he's like, Daniel, God heard your prayer and was answering your prayer. But I was withstood by the prince of Persia, this other demonic, you know, spiritual force entity. And I, had, I was fighting with this entity for 21 days. And Michael, the archangel, had to come and help me fight. That is a crazy verse. That is a verse that is not like, you don't see that on a plaque, like in some Christian's bathroom. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like a precious moments type of a thing. That, that, what that is giving us is a window into the spiritual battle that is around us, which indicates at least one of the reasons why a prayer needs to continue to be prayed. 
because a battle might continuing to be waged. And that's just one thing, right? And so Jesus says, look, let's simplify this. Yes, there's this great spiritual battle, but instead of trying to figure out what the demon's name is and turning into like half of a witch or something, why don't you just keep praying? Because we've got Christians that are like, yeah, this demon is called Mamubalabubu. You know, and they're like, if you pray like this and you cross your arms and you're like, we're not Marvel. Jesus just said, just continue to pray. So what if we just had this simple obedience to say, Lord, I'm continuing to ask that my neighbor would come to know you. Jesus, I'm continuing to ask that you would bless my family so that we can be generous in the kingdom of God. Lord, I'm praying for this member of my family to continue to be healed. And we just kept praying. And the whole church said, amen. So the second thing, the objection, we don't think we have time. Well, we do. According to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, a Nielsen study reported that in the year 2010, Americans spent 63.5 billion minutes on social networks and blogs. How much time do you spend on social networks like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, WhatsApp, all these places? Another Nielsen study indicates that an average internet user, and this is 2010, spends 68 hours on the internet per month, about two hours and six minutes per day. Uh, I think we've definitely gone down in our usage since 2010 uh, in the world. No. Uh, we, we, we make time for what we find to be valuable, right? If I said to you, hey, uh, I've got uh, box seats for the Super Bowl coming up in February. Are you free? How many of you will make time, right? If I said, hey, we have an all-expenses-paid, all-inclusive resort down in Cabo, and we're going to send you, your family, whoever you want, you know, up to 10 people, uh, it's in two weeks. How many of you are like, gosh, I feel like I might be able to find the time to make it work, right? When something is valuable, we, we create time, right? Time is not something that is out of our control. And when things are more valuable, uh, we, we will do that. Even when you say, yeah, but I have to do such, so on and so forth. If you, uh, if somebody in your family gets critically ill or an emergency happens, you just drop everything and that's what you're doing. Does that make sense? So we do have time. And, and this idea about prayer that we don't have time, what it is is a matter of priority. It's a matter of value. It's not a matter of actually not having time. We do have time. It's because we don't value prayer that we neglect it, okay? But it's not a time issue. Sure, in your life, are, there, are people busy? Yes. Are there things you might need to rearrange and do? Absolutely. But we can carve out that time to meet with God. Third, this objection that we don't think it's important. Well, Prayer is vitally important. It's this lifeline with God, our communication with God. I want you to think about in your marriage, if you just went silent and you stopped talking, what that would do to the relationship. Communication is like the thermometer uh, of, of your relationship, right? You can tell when the communication begins to suffer, the relationship, something's going on there. And when we as Christians have this very inconsistent communication with God, like if we only pray when things get really, really bad or really, really hard, uh, it's not like God is sitting there mad at you or like feeling, you know, jilted. God isn't really capricious or um, sensitive in that way, right? I feel like he's maybe a little bit more emotionally immature than me, I would hope. Uh, I definitely think he is. But it's that we're neglecting this really important thing and the relationship suffers. One of the reasons I believe that, that Christians have a hard time hearing God's voice is that they don't spend enough time listening to his voice to get familiar with his voice. In other words, 
they, they haven't really actually taken the time to learn how God speaks and what it sounds like when he does. And when we take that time to actually establish this communicative, communicative relationship with God, uh, we, we, our relationship improves. And Jesus told us what would happen. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So prayer is important because prayer connects you to the vine. Prayer in your communication with the Lord Jesus in you, with you, this communication with the Holy Spirit, with your Father. It, 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 it allows the power of God, the life of God to flow into you. And apart from him, it's not that we can do some things okay, some things poorly. Some, no, no, no. He's not, it's not matters of degree. He says you're either doing something or you're not. And it's based on staying connected, right? So prayer is vitally important. It's not something that we... Here's what I mean by this. We're not talking about prayer so that you can have a better life and be more blessed. We're talking about prayer because if you're a Christian and you don't pray, you're borderline spitting in God's face. And you're, you're, you're believing some doctrine, some idea that is completely false that says you can do something for the world apart from the Spirit of God uh, speaking to you and, and this interaction that you have with God. I find so many Christians are so caught up with self-help and like this moral therapeutic deism. It's like, I'm going to go on this journey of self-discovery and I'll learn all, and I like, you know, things like personality tests and stuff, but I'll take all these personality tests and I'll learn how I'm wired and all this kind of stuff. But if you don't pray and you're doing that, what you're telling, what you're really saying in your life is I don't value what God has to say or what he wants to say or how he wants to lead or direct me. Yeah. Prayer is vitally important. Amen? Fourth, this idea that why do we neglect to pray? Well, we don't believe it makes a difference. And I think this is a big one for, for me and for maybe other people. Max Lucado says this, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Oh, well, that's from the Old Testament. Yeah, but the principle remains the same. There's nothing about this that I, as a student of theology and a biblical interpreter, couldn't apply to a New Testament Christian life that says God answers the prayers that are prayed. He moves in response to prayer. As, as Christians say, I admit that there's something outside of this naturalistic world. There is a supernatural reality that is every bit as real as the natural world that I call home and that is my sort of tangible reality on a day-to-day -day basis. And I realize that prayer is my access point to speak to my Father in heaven and to begin to see things move in this, uh, in this world. Uh, that, that is what we're talking about here. Prayer makes a difference. God moves in response to prayer. Prayer is one of the means that God sovereignly chooses to, to act in. And if you read the Bible and you take, what I like to do with the Bible is, I don't know about you, but I read through the Bible every year. I would encourage all of you to do that. Uh, but as I read through the Bible every year, I have a pretty good memory and it gets really boring. Like, because I'm almost 40 years old. Anybody else with me here? And I read about Abraham and I'm like, I know what's going to happen. It's not exciting. You know what I mean? It's not like reading a Harlan Coben, you know, thriller or something. It's like, 
It's, I know what's going to happen. I know the story. Anybody else read the Bible a few times through, you're like, I know what's going to happen next. You know, it's not like a choose your own adventure. It's, it's the same book every time, right? So what I like to do is I like to read the Bible through lenses, okay? And you're like, yeah, you're getting older. You need contact lenses. No, no, not those kind of lenses. I like to read the Bible through theological lenses. In other words, if I have a new thought, if God reveals something to me or speaks something to me, uh, then I'll read the Bible through that lens. So I might read the Bible through the lens of discipleship, okay? So with this concept of discipleship that we're called to make disciples, I'm going to read through the entire Bible and I'm going to think about discipleship in every place. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not reading into the Bible, okay? So this is something I don't want you to do, but I'm, I'm looking at it through that lens. Does that make sense? Now, let me give you a lens to read the Bible through, okay? This will make your Bible reading in 2023 more exciting. Read through the Bible with the lens of prayer, and specifically this lens. Look for all the times that God actually does something because somebody prayed, or maybe even God said, I'm going to do something, and then somebody's like, please don't, and then God doesn't do it. Or a time when God says, I'm going, you know, I'm not going to do that, and somebody says, please do it, and then God does it. I mean, even if you just read the beginning of the Bible and you read through the story of Moses, Moses and God, if they ever got on the same page, man, it would have, the whole thing would have just been totally wiped out, right? Because Israel, they were just whining and complaining. It was like a road trip with kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> 40 years in the wilderness, and you're like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to come back there, and I'm going to get you. You know what I mean? How many of you are glad your dad had a short arm, right? And you as a kid, you could get as far back to the seat. If you read through the, the Old Testament, and you read through the story of Israel in the wilderness, as, uh, in the Exodus and all of this, here's what happens. In one moment, God's like, I'm going to wipe them out. They're rebellious. Israel sucks, right? That's what it says in the original Hebrew. And Moses is like, God, if you do that, the, the whole world will be like, God didn't do what he said. God, he's not like the way that he said. And God's like, you're right. And, and this might mess with your theology a little bit because people are like, God is immutable. He does not change. Yeah, the problem with your theology is you have to read the Bible to get your theology that's accurate, right? Yes, God is immutable. He doesn't change. But we do see dynamism and responsiveness and communicativeness in the Scripture. If you read the Bible through this lens, it's all through there. There's another time where, where uh, in, in the Exodus when, when Moses is like, God, just wipe them out. Kill them all, you know. It's like God and Moses are mom and dad, and they both want to kill the kids, but on different days, you know. And Moses is like, like wipe them out. And God's like, no, Moses, chill. Moses, be cool. Like, we're going to, I'm going to work through them. Okay. I'm obviously having fun, taking some liberties here, but, but it's, that's in the, in the scripture. Am I right? Again, if you look at it through the lens of responsiveness, that God is dynamically changing, moving, interacting with the prayer life of this believer. Okay. Now, if you believe that God actually responds to prayers, in other words, something wasn't going to happen until you prayed it, would you pray more? Because see, like, I live in a city in which everything is perfect and nothing should change. How about you? I mean, we've just got everything dialed in, right? Our schools, our, the, the, you know, the streets. We all agree on everything. People don't fight. Like, this is a great place to live. We don't have addiction problems. Like, you're like, wait a second, Jake. No, it's the opposite of all of these things. We have problems. We have issues. We have things that followers of Jesus should go, you know what? Shouldn't be like that. Shouldn't be like that. So what should we do? Vote! Mm, yeah, but first we should pray. And yet, oftentimes, we, we want to fight, we want to vote, we want to 
advocate, we want to like get therapy, we want to do all of the things where we want to hide our, bury our head in the sand, or we want to get mad, or we want to like old man shakes his fist at the sky, or whatever we do. And what we're called to do is to get on our knees and say, God, I see a reality in where I live where it doesn't look like heaven. And you told me to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, which I think Springfield and Eugene are on earth, as it is in Texas. No, in heaven. (laughs) I'm just having fun. We're supposed to pray heaven's reality to earth's problem. Okay? And, And prayer makes a difference. God is responsive. He moves in response. We have a part to play. William Temple, one of the arch, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury, he said, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. I had a young guy after church one time, I read that quote, and he came up to me, and he's like, well, it could have just been a coincidence. And I'm like, dude, that's the point of the quote. He's, it's the, anyways, John Piper said, prayer is not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. And God chooses to, to work this way. Now, I'm I like to dig into things, and the question might come up, well, why does God choose to do this this way? And here's what I would say to that. Why does God choose to move in response to prayer? I'll tell you why. It's because he created earth for mankind to steward and to rule and to reign. So God's original plan, when we talk about heaven and earth, it doesn't mean heaven, the place you go when you die. We're talking about heaven being the spiritual realm, the heavens, biblically, where God exists, where God dwells, does he exist in the physical reality as well? Yes, but he created earth and he placed man there and he said, okay, tend and keep the garden, you know, be fruitful and multiply. There was agency and sovereignty given to humans, okay? And we lost that. We, we, we kind of gave it to, the, to Satan, who is now the ruler of this present age. You know, we, we gave that through sin by, by rebelling against God, but we're in this sort of cosmic struggle and war and this is meant to be our sandbox, And so just like I do with my kids, I parcel out and meet out responsibility according to their maturity, and I want Evie's will to be exercised as long as it agrees with what is proper and right and good. So like yesterday and this whole weekend, we've been having a big war at the Schmelzer house about bedrooms because, you know, our kids want to get a dog, and I'm like, well, we can't live like animals and also have an animal. So we need to keep our, (laughs) how many of you think that's a good philosophy to live by? We need to keep our rooms clean, and that's your realm. But if you don't manage your realm properly, then I will come in, and Dad will do it Dad's way. And Dad's way is taking a bunch of stuff to the dump. How many dads are like, hey, man, yeah, yeah, take it to the dump. You know, Bethany was telling me about somebody who was wound a little tight that we know, and they, they threw away toys that were not even opened, you know. I, I actually kind of like that. But anyways... I want my children, as they grow, as they mature, as they, I, I want them to, to step into the, their, their place as an adult, and, and even as they grow and they're not an adult yet, I want them to continue to get more responsibility, so on and so forth. And so they have a realm, let's call it their bedroom, where I want to work with them and through them as long as it's in alignment with like the general vision of what I as the father am trying to do. So now, replace kid's bedroom with planet Earth, and you're the kid and God is dad. And he's saying, I want to work with you because this is your area. Like eventually, uh, you know, you need to be responsible for this thing. You're going to have your own life. How many of you with your kids have these conversations? Hey, mom and dad aren't always going to be around to protect you. We're not always going to be around to say, don't run in the street like a moron. 
Amen? We're not always going to be there managing your money and making sure you don't blow it every time you get a gift card. Like you instantly go to Target and just buy, you know, Shotskis or what are those called? Tchotchkes? You know, like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? What we're trying to do is develop that responsibility and agency in our children. And God is doing that same thing through prayer. This is why God chooses to move through prayer because he's partnering with us to get us on track to be the leaders and the 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 the, 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 the uh, people that are ruling and reigning in this reality as he always intended. Is that a messy affair from time to time? Yes, because sometimes our desires and things are askew of the grander vision that God has for our realm. But God wants us to walk in that, that way. And this is where as Christians, we need to really take that responsibility seriously and, re- and realize this access we have to God is not about getting a better parking spot, though sure, pray for that, Maybe pray for that and pray for your food that it wouldn't have germs or whatever you're praying for in those moments. But take more seriously that God will actually operate dynamically and responsibly in the world around you in the things that actually matter if you will pray. That's a big idea. That's a big idea. Like Bethany and I, we have this piece of property that we're trying to use as a, a rental and we were like, we don't have any renters for it. And so we don't like that. <laughs> and so we, last night we were talking about it and we were like, let's pray about it. And so we just said, God, would you give us a 50-year-old woman uh, who is responsible, who's not a wild party animal, who's like a traveling nurse who will rent our property? Like I, we pray with specificity because I want to get the answer to the prayer. I don't want like Rick and nine children and seven dogs and do you know what I'm saying? You know, bada ding, 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 ding. I don't want that, those people in my place. Okay. I want you know, like responsible, clean, you know what I mean? So I'm praying for like, this is the lady. We know what she looks like in our head. This is who we want to rent this, this property. Some of you are like, that's so rude. Hey, you pray your prayers, I'll pray mine, okay? <laughs> so we're praying and saying, God, would you shape reality? Would you move things around? Well, Jake, is that God's will? That's not praying for the homeless. It is. They don't have a home. They need to rent ours, <laughs> okay? It's, it, we're praying. And the prayer was this. It was like, God, look, you, you love us. You want to bless us. And we're a blessing to the kingdom. Would you this is kind of like stressing us out a little bit. Would you help us in this area? That's it. We're just asking. And God came down in a fire and a cloud. No, we didn't hear like this immediate response, but we, we believe that God is responsive in our prayers. And even more so, what about when we pray, oh God, let, let the children of Eugene and Springfield have moms and dads that love them. And when they don't have that, would you bring people in their lives that don't abuse but protect? God, would you, you know, what if, what if we didn't even pray as big of a prayer for all the children of Eugene and Springfield? What if we just prayed for the neighbor kid that doesn't have a mom and dad that lives next door? And we lifted up our prayers and every Christian was this beam of light shining into the heavenly realm, asking God to come and reshape reality around us. It's a beautiful thought. So how do we do this, guys? I have three minutes. Practical steps to becoming a person of prayer. Number one, come like a child. The irresponsible confidence of a child that knows they don't come because of their effort and their expertise, but because of their identity and their relationship. God loves you. He hears you. He has the power to do what you're asking. So ask him. Come like a child. This is the posture to have. Number two, build on a foundation of love, not guilt. A prayer life built on guilt won't last. I don't pray because God will smite me if I don't pray. He, He won't. He might smite you for other reasons, but not for that. You're like actually scared because nobody laughed. I pray because I want to know him. I want to have a relationship because I love him. 
We don't do our devotions for God. We do them for ourselves. So we need to build on that foundation of love, not guilt. In other words, I have to pray. I'm supposed to pray. I, 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 Jake told me I'm supposed to do it. Okay, yes, but, but your, life, your prayer life won't, won't thrive unless it's actually a delight to you at some level. Is there discipline with prayer? Yes, but it needs to move from duty to delight. Number three, set aside a time and a place for prayer. We see in the Bible that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He would set aside times, like get away from the mess, get away from the noise. There was a, a place of prayer. There was a time of prayer. And yes, when, when you have this really deep, intimate, dynamic relationship with God and there's communication flowing, you can be in a noisy, busy, chaotic moment. But what I found is that, and hear God and speak to him, and I found that the people that can do that spent some time in the quiet place first. It's like they learned how to, how to crawl before they walked. They learned how to walk before they ran. You with me? There's people that can just like access God, speak to God, hear God, hear his voice, even in the midst of the storm. But I know for me that the ability to hear God in crisis is because I know his voice in peace. And so I would encourage all of us to pursue God in the peaceful moment, set aside time and a place. Number four, let prayer out of the box. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we can all memorize this verse today. Pray without ceasing. How many of you got it? Pray without ceasing. Does this mean every moment of the day you're like, dear Jesus, I just pray to God, I just pray to God. I just, you know. No. It's saying that prayer isn't contained to the 15-minute devotion in the morning. It's an interactive, dynamic relationship with God. It's outside of the box. Uh, in a couple weeks, Pastor John Gallinger is going to share with us about this type of an idea, that letting prayer out of the box, acknowledging God, walking with God in this dynamic, interactive relationship, which is what it's meant to be. Number five, approach God on the basis of Jesus' performance, not your own. And we're going to finish with this. Our prayer life is a reflection of our belief, our faith, and our receptivity of the gospel message. Do you believe that Jesus has made you right with God? If you do, then you can come boldly to his throne. You have been made positionally righteous in Christ. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4 to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God in our time of need. And there we will find his mercy. There we find his grace, his responsiveness. But our approach to God is based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And when we received him as Lord and Savior and we follow him in our lives, that we are saved, which isn't just meaning that someday you'll get to go to heaven. It means that today you get to have a relationship with God and you're part of what he wants to do on this planet. That we, with God, are in this great cosmic war against the forces of evil and darkness that sometimes we've participated with and collaborate with even to this day. And yet God in his graciousness and mercy is continuing to work in and through us to reshape reality, to look like heaven, not like hell. Amen? And so our approach to God, though, is on this basis of what Jesus did, which means it's not about your expertise, how good of a Christian you are, if you didn't sin, you know, yesterday, whatever. It's not about that. It's about the fact that Jesus made you right with God and therefore you have access. And what I would encourage you to do is not to spit in the face of God's gift. You know, for every Christian, uh, if we're letting guilt keep us from the presence of God, we're not doing something for God. We're doing something against him because he, he laid this feast for us. And we're basically saying, no, nah, I prefer to eat my own microwave meal over here of guilt and shame and condemnation. And rather than fellowshipping with you and actually connecting with the one who can change my heart, I'm just going to sit over here like a miser and just eat my little gruel. 
And God has this feast for us. And so our prayer life reflects how we actually feel and believe and think about the gospel. And a person who's really fully received the gospel and says, I am saved by grace, right? That's what I'm saved by. I didn't deserve it. Then I can have this beautiful relationship with God in prayer and ask for things, ask God to change reality, listen to him, hear his voice, amen? That is the basis upon which we build the right foundation. That's the basis upon which we build this life of prayer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes today? If you're here today and you say, Pastor Jake, I, uh, I'm glad to hear about prayer, but I, I don't know Jesus. I haven't put my faith in Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity. This is a great moment, perfect day to just start the journey of following Jesus. And it starts with calling upon the name of the Lord. Like, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I need your mercy. And if you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. I just want to pray with you and mark this moment. If you're here today and you want to make that decision, would you raise your hand so I can see? Just lift it up, bold. Just do it right now. Lift it up. Pastor Jake, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Amen. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Even if you didn't raise your hand, pray this prayer with me together. We're, we're all going to pray it. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. Thank you for what you did at the cross, where you gave your life for me. You paid for my sin. You made a way for me to be right with God. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I give you my life, every part, in Jesus' name. Amen.